0: This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. What was it that we said we were going to call our listeners for this?
1: I don't know, but I went back and I didn't like it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, whatever. If you got ideas, let us know. Um, what's
1: going on, y'all? <laughs> yeah, much better way. Um, yeah, how's it going?
0: Going, going okay, going okay. Semester's about to start um, yep. on Tuesday for for both of us. Yep, um, yep. It's exciting and also nerve wracking. Um,
1: yeah, I'm pretty excited about my my semester. I've got some good some good classes.
0: Yeah, you as a three would be excited about more work. Me as a six, I'm like, oh my gosh, can I handle all of this work?
1: Yeah, um, I I'm a bit worried about how to to handle it all because. Not because I can't handle the workload. I can't handle the workload. But um, I'm just working on some things personally within me um, to try to not work so much. Good for you. Because I feel like, um, just being real, I I think my family has suffered because of how much I work. And my wife has put up with a whole lot from me because of how much I work and um, I just need to find, I need to find better balance, even though I can work at that rate and it's okay for me. Maybe it's not okay for my family unit as a whole. So I'm worried about how do I fit all the work into the amount of days I'm only trying to work within now. Yeah. And that's the hard part because, you know, I could, I could work, you know, four twelves and it might still not be enough. Right. Um, so yeah, trying to figure that piece out is
0: that's, that's the crazy part.
1: That's the, that's the hard part for me right now.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally get that. And, um, I can easily overwork myself. And if I start overworking myself, I move to an unhealthy three, right? That's my disintegration. And so I have to find time for self care. Yeah. And, I neglect self-care a lot because my workload becomes so much. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so we've been talking about deconstruction. You've heard yep. Adam Cheney's story from Elijah Rising. Yep. You've heard my story. Yep. And last week you heard Cullen's story. Yep. Um, so now we're just kind of wrapping this up. Um, and, and we're just going to talk about deconstruction in general.
1: Yeah. So I want to... I do want to go ahead and put out there um, because I know a lot of people are being driven crazy um, that we haven't talked about it. But deconstruction actually arises from a guy named John Caputo. Oh, yeah. And he's a philosopher turned theologian that comes up. Deconstruction is a postmodernist theological methodology. And that's that's a very um, rudimentary definition of it. Deconstruction basically is the idea that anything that can be constructed can be deconstructed not for the purpose of taking a wrecking ball to it, but in order to see new things within it. Yeah. So it would be like... It
0: would be like restoring a house.
1: Well, yeah. So it would be like you built a house, and when you built the house, the people that were directly behind you owned this land, and it was woods, And so it was unsightly to look at. Like it was just a mangle of mess. You know, it had old barns. Like it just wasn't nice to look at. And so you didn't put any windows on that that wall. Mm -hmm. But then they come in and tear it down. And because of zoning, they can't build anything there. But just beyond, there's a beautiful body of water Mm -hmm. that now you can see. Deconstruction wouldn't be. Let me tear my whole house down. Right. Deconstruction would be. Hey, let me open up pieces of this wall so I can see that lake.
0: Yeah. Let's let's put a window here. Yeah. Or a yeah. door to a back porch or or whatever.
1: Yeah. And um, uh, my professor uh, Roger Olson at Truett Seminary wrote a book called um, "The Journey of Modern Theology from Reconstruction to Deconstruction," and it's a monstrosity. It's, it's like seven 700- hundred pages
0: yeah if you're not watching this on youtube that book is huge
1: it's pretty massive um but in the deconstruction section on john caputo he says deconstruction is not a thing or even a technique it is an event what happens when something hidden within a present idea or reality is uncovered and explodes not to destroy but to open up new possibilities the business of deconstruction is to open and loosen things up.
0: So I think there's two parts of that definition that I think we need to focus on. First, the event part, right? Yeah. But it's not one singled out event.
1: It's, it's not It's not a momentary event. It's no. not something that happens in a singular it's moment. It's
0: not something that happens when you turn 16 through the time that you're 21. Right. right? It, it's something that... Happens kind of on and off, in in bits and pieces. Sometimes you take a little bit of a break, yep. but then you come back and you are like, "Oh, well, there is this new idea that I need to find space for, and maybe I need to deconstruct something else to make room for this idea yeah. to make it work in my theology."
1: Yeah, that's the deal. It's it's making room for something new,
0: and that's the loosening part of the definition. That yeah. um, that. Is really important there. It's making room for other things, um, but not just making room because sometimes you can't have two ideas in the same room. That is true. You can't some, have a bathroom in a kitchen. Yeah, I and mean you can in like some studio apartments. You do, but like
1: yeah, yeah. It deconstruction is an idea of opening up. It's loosening. It's finding a new way and new possibilities. But lots of times new ways and new possibilities you got to cut something out. Yeah. I mean, you, lots of times it's not it's not possible to go down a new path without doing a little bit of clearing. Yeah. That's what deconstruction is. Yeah. It's seeing a new way and opening up a new way. And sometimes that's very minor. Yeah. Other times it's it's bulldozing whole clearings, right? Yeah, um, so
0: in the in the house analogy There's this beautiful pond back there. Yeah. And you open up this wall to put a window in and you realize that the entire wall is rotten. Yeah. You have to rebuild that wall to put in that window.
1: Yeah. I think the house metaphor is helpful. Um, Until it's not. Yeah, it's helpful until it's not. Yeah. uh, Because it it is limiting. But so are all metaphors. Yeah. Right? All metaphor. And specifically metaphor theory is quite helpful in, in showing that metaphors in general are limiting, but they are the way that... Our minds best receive information and experience um, yeah, truths, but so with that, just kind of understanding and wrapping up deconstruction. I think I've said it time and time and time again, but the the one single thing that I really want people to know is that this is not something to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, in fact, very few people do I know that went through deconstruction in a healthy way ended up without a faith. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody's afraid of. It's like, Oh, if I go through deconstruction, if I start asking these questions, the whole thing's going to unravel. And if I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but if your faith is so fragile that if you pull one string, the whole thing unravels, it wasn't a great faith to begin with.
0: Right. Um, I think the thing that, what what I've noticed about it is the thing that's scary for people to start asking these questions, um, is because lots of times they feel like they're betraying God by asking questions. Um, mm, yeah, lots of that's not always the case, but lots of times it is. Yeah, I've been talking with a few different people lately that feel like, oh, it, if I ask this question. That I've been told is true my entire life. I must be in sin. Yeah. No, not necessarily. Right. It is a necessary thing that needs to happen. God is not surprised by your questions. He's not surprised that you have questions. He created us to be intelligent human beings that are inquisitive.
1: Yeah. Uh, I say this all the time and, and I've gotten a few comments about it, but. Sometimes the best things are provocative. Yeah. And I'm a pretty provocative personality in general. No. Um, and so... I don't I'm, disagree. I'm not gonna, with the,
0: you're, that you're a pr- provocative person, but some of the, the things in life are provocative. Yeah, right? the things
1: that you remember are provocative, right? They provoke something within you.
0: Think about when you... This is a, a good example until it's not like the house metaphor, but think about when you listen to stand-up comedy the jokes that you remember are probably the most vulgar ones.
1: (laughs) They're definitely the most provocative for sure. Uh, Or even just maybe not even something down that regard, but uh, how many times do you see, I I think a great example of these are like the state farm commercials. (laughs) Like those things have nothing to do with insurance, but like the scenes are so provocative (laughs) that I'm just like, like when, like when they're sitting there when Jake from State Farms eating honey with the beekeeper, they're eating honeycomb. Like, that's so outlandish. Like, that's provocative, and I remember that.
0: Or remember the commercial um, when the wife walks down the stairs and the husband's on the phone with Jake from State Farm and she thinks, like, he's having an affair? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, What are you
1: wearing, Jake from State Farm? (laughs) Khakis. (laughs) Yeah. The, The provocative nature of it is what makes it memorable. And... So for me, I, I'm going to keep being provocative because it seems to be working for some people. I mean, yeah. this deconstruction series is the most watched and downloaded series on this podcast.
0: Which, thank you guys for for watching and trucking along. And we we hope that you keep yeah. with us. Um, absolutely. And it's,
1: it's for you guys that we put this out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, keep going with what you were saying. So
1: um, I say it all the time that... That if God or if your God is afraid of your questions, your God is whack, bro. Yeah. Like if your God is so finite that he can't handle your questions, your God is whack. Yeah. Um, I also
0: think, so we've, we've talked about this before and this was a realization that, that I had the other day though. If people are so afraid to ask questions um, and think that they're betraying God by asking questions... Can we just say that, like, Paul clearly went through deconstruction. You and Adam talked about that.
1: Yeah, um, I do think that's what um, his time away after his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, when he goes away yeah. for roughly 10 years, yeah, that's what he's doing.
0: He is deconstructing everything he knows about the Jewish faith.
1: About Israel and, um, and the Messiah and Opening it up mm-hmm. to be able to include Jesus of Nazareth.
0: Yeah. Um. So even the guy, the guy that we point to in theology.
1: Yeah, we are Christians because of Paul of Tarsus.
0: Yeah. The guy deconstructed everything he knew about the world.
1: Yeah. And was better for it. And
0: God used him to do amazing things. Yeah. So I don't understand why we, as the church, have pushed people not to ask questions.
1: Because
0: it hurts our narrative.
1: Well, no, no. Questions think, our narrative. I don't even think it hurts our narrative or questions our narrative. Uh, it's because we have a poor narrative. Well, the exactly. narrative, the narrative exactly. has been that doubt is the opposite of faith.
0: Oh, ye of little faith, is what I hear quoted. Yeah, all the
1: time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like okay. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is a process or a piece of the process of having faith. Mm. Um, it's an act of faith to pull that string, to ask that question. It's Absolutely. an act of faith that God is bigger than my question. Um, and what are we talking It's about? ye of little faith... That have questions that don't pursue them.
0: That don't pursue the answers.
1: That don't pursue the answers because of fear that it will unravel. Yeah, that's absolutely. the lack of faith.
0: What What do we talk about all the time? That faith without action is just good thoughts.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: so with that, the the action piece uh, of deconstruction. Or asking questions is deconstructing, yeah. Right. Therefore, it is a necessary piece to your spiritual formation.
1: Yeah, I think for me, this is this is huge. Excuse me, because we've got to get rid of the narrative that doubt is the opposite of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is detrimental because here's the deal. As I've been wrestling with this through my own through my own years of deconstruction um in Matthew 28 right before Jesus tells them go therefore make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father son Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and remember I'm I'm with you always to the end of the age like we we love to spout that that's where we get our missions calls from like like that's that's a tried and true verse of the Christian faith yeah but if we were better readers of our Bible, we would see that there's more to that story. Yeah. Right before that, so that begins in verse 18. In verse 16, this is Matthew 28, verse 16, reading from the NRSV. Now the 11 disciples, this is after Judas has committed suicide, went to Galilee, the region of Jesus' hometown, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Remember, In the Gospel of Matthew, everything important happens on a mountain. If you see a mountain, pay attention. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him. An act of faith. Worship is an act of faith. People of faith worship the God of their faith. Amen. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Worshiping is an act of faith. Yeah. And yet, right there in scripture, it tells us that even though they worshiped, some, a Had portion been. of the worshipers were doubting, yeah. present tense, mm-hmm. doubting in that moment, doubt is not the opposite of faith doubt is a piece of strengthening your faith
0: i was talking to somebody earlier this week or i guess last week now but um and they were talking about how so many times they listen to people smarter than them mm. um and and tell them how to or listen to what they have to say about a certain idea or whatever, and it ends up making it more complicated. Yeah. And they read something in the Gospels about the disciples doubting, Mm. right? Despite, this happens multiple times throughout the Gospels, and I don't remember specifically which time they pointed to, but after seeing Jesus do all these miraculous things, the disciples still had doubt. Yeah. Lots of times. Um, And this person is going through deconstruction, but they came to a point where they realized that lots of times listening to people smarter than me isn't always the way to go. Yeah. Sometimes it's just sitting with your thoughts and sometimes going back to the basics. Yeah. Sometimes it's just starting with reading the gospels. Sometimes it's just, starting with the character of jesus and who jesus is and was
1: right yeah well i think another piece of this is to your point if we would go back and read the gospels read the narratives we would see that thomas Mm. is a pretty integral part of jesus's ministries throughout the gospels yeah and yet what's he's known what is he known for doubting thomas He's, he's called, his entire piece of participation in the narrative and the story is tarnished because of one time he when doubt. he doubts the resurrection, which, might I mind you. We would
0: all probably do that.
1: Not an easy thing to, to, to take and internalize and believe without proof. Yeah, all the other ones got the proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And remember, Thomas, what does he say? I won't believe until I can put my hand in his side mm. and touch the wounds in his hands. Yeah. So when Jesus comes up, he says, why do you doubt? Right here, bro. Go ahead. Touch me. And so Thomas's entire participation in the narrative and work of Jesus's ministry is tarnished, ruined, dissipated because of Thomas's singular moment of doubt.
0: But what did Jesus do?
1: Oh, he restored him. He
0: reaffirmed yeah, his faith.
1: Absolutely. But once again, most of the time, we're not good readers of our Bible. Right.
0: I, I just, I think that what we need to just, for you guys... Don't be afraid of asking questions. And if you have questions and you don't have a place to ask them, ask us. We would be thrilled, absolutely thrilled to help you. Yeah. And I understand you've never met us. You've never talked to us, at least most of you. Some of you have.
1: Well, we have hundreds of listeners on this podcast. Yeah, we've not met most of them.
0: Yeah. But wherever you are in the world wherever you are in your faith and deconstruction journey, I know it's scary to, to talk to the people that like you don't know. Yeah. But trust me, we will do our best to hear you. We will do our best to, to help you. We will do everything we can because ultimately, this is why we do what we do. Yeah. To help you find restoration. Yep. Um, yesterday on A Closer Look, we talked about uh, the gathering that we had this past week and, and somebody that at our gathering uh, referred to it at, to what we do as a rehabilitative church yep and I love that because yes our our church is rehabilitative but our program of rehabilitation is deconstruction yeah um and while you may not attend a well or you may not know us face to face we would love to help you through this because going through deconstruction on your own is so hard and dangerous and if you're not careful you pull at that thread you may not have a shirt left
1: yeah i think um i think it's so if you have if you haven't listened to my deconstruction episode you need to go back in and listen to it it's the one that came out last week Because I did deconstruction on my own. I honestly believe the only reason that I made it through is because I had a theological education that told me where to look. Yeah. If you don't have that, it is unlikely that you're going to make it out on the right side of this thing. Because if, like we talked about with my friend Adam, we've all been given or handed our faith and that's one vein, that's one strain of faith expression. And most of the time, our traditions, our faith expressions don't like us to venture outside of that. So we don't know the world of faith outside of the faith we've been given, so we don't know where to look. Yeah. And so when we can't find answers to the questions we have within our own faith tradition, we give up. Yeah because we don't know that there's another way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What do we what have we talked about so many times throughout this series? The CS Lewis quote. We're like a line trying to understand a cube. Yep. Um and if our brains aren't wired to understand this cube going through it alone you're going to end up on the other side, I can't understand this, so it must not be true. Yeah. Um. Let us help you.
1: Yeah, and I think to another point, um, deconstruction is um, a difficult journey just in general. So going through it alone, it can be quite scary. It can be quite difficult. Um. And, and there's a better way forward. There's a better path forward to go through deconstruction. But that better path, and this this is what I want all of our listeners to know, is, is that better path leads to healing. That better path leads to wholeness. That better path leads to life-giving faith. Um, that's why you're deconstructing is because your faith was no longer those things for you. And odds are if you tried to go through deconstruction in your existing tradition, they may have participated in the hurt rather than leading you to the wholeness. Um, And what we at Wellhouse want to be is we want to be that place for you to receive healing and wholeness and life giving faith with Jesus. And so, we want you to connect with us. We want you to reach out to us. I'll have links in the description for ways that you can connect with us and join our mailing email newsletters and and join our, our connections and um, hopefully we can connect you to a gathering of, uh, of one of our well gatherings or if you're in an area where we don't have one, we can help you start one, um, those types of things. So please reach out to us. Know that our heart for you in your deconstruction journey, is to yield three things. And this is why it's our process. For a long time, the church has participated in making disciples and trying to sanctify people. And those are good things, but they came at a cost of healing and wholeness and life-giving faith. And that's what I want you to experience, is healing, wholeness, and life-giving faith.
0: And seriously, let us know if, you're, if you want to be a part of a deconstruction group. Um, because we want um, you to have a space with other people going through what you're going through. Um, that makes every situation in life, no matter what it is, easier. Because you have other people in it with you. Um, people that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can talk to, that you can just say, I am struggling. You can scream, you can cry, whatever, you can be in this safe space because everybody in this space understands.
1: Yeah, uh, a space that you can... Honestly, you can just kind of gripe. Yeah, if that's what you want to, if that's what you need to do... There are so many people that have been through deconstruction because... Of clergy abuse, or exclusionism in the church, or prejudice, or biases, or um, media, holier yeah. than thou, yeah. For for whatever reason, judgment that they just need a place to vent. They need a place to gripe. Um, and you know what? It may hurt some people's feelings, but that's part of deconstruction. Yeah, um, naming the problem is part of deconstructing to get a better view.
0: Yeah, um, great, great example. Um, last week on A Closer Look, we talked about the riots. And we clearly made a lot of people angry.
1: We at least made one person angry.
0: Um, because we lost some subscribers um, and views went down. Um, and you know what? Okay.
1: I can't apologize um, for upsetting someone when I call a spade a spade. When I call that action evil, I'm not going to apologize that someone disagreed with me. No. um, Because I feel very strongly that God was not in that at any level.
0: And the reason for me bringing that up is to let you know that... If you're angry with where the church is, if you're angry with where our country is, if you're in America, um, then yeah, we're probably right there with you,
1: or we have been there, or have been there. Um, you don't, you don't get to a place where you can be so comfortable in speaking the way that I do without having been frustrated with the church at large.
0: And something I was talking to a friend of mine about um, is, so I do consider myself a patriot. Um, I own things with American flags on it and and, and everything. And this friend of mine looked at me and said, you know, dude, you you might want to rethink having that hanging up. And I'm like, why? Why? He said because like lots of times there can be this stereotype that if you fly an American flag that you're a racist or that you're uber conservative and I'm like yeah
1: but that's not a colonial flag.
0: Yeah, like it's 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 not a rebel flag, it's not a colonial flag. I can be a patriot, I can love my country but despise what my country does and be love my country enough willing to speak out against it. And I feel the same way about the church.
1: Yeah, that's the deal. Um it's, it's shallow critiques yeah. when we critique something not having been a part of it. Mm-hmm. I can critique the church. I can critique fundamentalism because it was my life.
0: We, yeah, so I, I was engrossed in it.
1: Well, I pastored in that tradition, Yeah, multiple congregations. Um, I can critique that world because I've been there. And I've seen how it hurts people Um, in the same way I can critique America and the people of America and the actions of America because what I see them do. I've been here my entire life Um, in the same way of all of those things. If you don't have a space to vent and gripe about your hurt with the church you're never going to successfully deconstruct because you're never going to be able to overcome. It's almost like if if you can't gripe, it's almost like you went to cut out the first piece of the wall Mm. and the saw cut your finger off and you never went and got healing from that. So now you're impaired through the entire journey of deconstruction and you're angry at your ailment. So you never properly deconstruct because you never properly healed. Yeah. That's what deconstruction support group is. It's a place where you can vent. It's a place where you can be hurt. It's a place where you can mourn. Yeah. It's a place where you can seek healing in relationship with people just like you asking the same questions you're asking.